You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own lives for the life and story of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator, working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. And this episode kicks off one of my goals for 2018 around this podcast. And that is this. I believe firmly that we need to be fit for our purpose. And if we are going to be successful in our lives, we need to pay attention to our health and well-being. It's one of the things that I absolutely always deal with when I am working with my clients because I'm so passionate about it, but it's also because it's so needed. If we are going to pursue our goals, we need to fuel our bodies and look after ourselves in order to do that and have the life that we want. So this is the first in that episode in bringing someone to you who is passionate about wellness, who's living her life inside of that. And and it's it's now part of her work as well. It is her work, should I say. I want to give you some other context um, around why this is important. I've Uh, And why we need to pay attention as in black communities and as black women around our health. The Kelly Report was published in 2015 and it was about the health disparities in America. And it was looking at what are the differences between black communities and white communities um, in different kind of health outcomes. I'm going to pull some and I've pulled some of the statistics out of that because it's amazing reading you can get it online I will put a link to the report in the show notes because it's interesting reading Uh, and it's more than interesting reading it's quite shocking reading actually but let's just see what's so shocking about it today nearly double the amount of African-Americans have um, dust off with diabetes than their white counterparts Nearly half of all African-American adults have some form of cardiovascular disease or the after effects of a stroke. That's nearly half of African-Americans. African-Americans have the highest rate of high blood pressure, which increases the risk of heart disease. And lifestyle um, factors play a part in that. So diet, physical activity, um, smoking, influence high um, um, blood pressure. Obesity increases the risk of high of heart disease as well and stroke and health problems. And black people have significantly higher rates of obesity than their white counterparts. Black children have higher rates of physical inactivity than white children. These are just some of the statistics that links to the increased number of people who are dying from diabetes, cancer, heart disease, stroke, and dying um, at a younger age than their white counterparts as well. Now, there are many other factors, stress-related factors, that play a part in those health disparities. But there are factors that we're pointing to here, are things that we can do something about. So I think it's important for us to educate ourselves to look at our own lives so that we can live long, healthy lives. It is within our control 
And so we need to take the control back in our lives. So this episode is the beginning of that, of me bringing that to you at different points in the year. Because I'm so passionate about it, we need to pay attention to it. And it's so urgent, really, when we look at those statistics. So this week we have Angelique Miles. I'm excited to speak to her about how she got into wellness because she started her career in the music industry with over 20 years of experience in entertainment. She's been responsible for signing publishing deals with platinum and Grammy nominated artists such as Timberland, Buster Rhymes, Pharrell Williams and Missy Elliott, just to name a few of those. And having had such a prosperous career in the entertainment industry, it led her to a newfound love of beauty and fitness. Angelique continues to increase her presence as a leading brand and wellness influencer. A New Yorker by birth, Angelique found out one of the best ways to deal with the stressful demands of her career was through exercising, which helped her stay physically fit and mentally sharp. Her main goal is to empower and educate by providing fresh fitness content for women who are interested in improving their lives through physical activity and healthy eating. So let's hear from Angelique about how she got into the wellness space and what does it mean for her and what can we learn? Over to Angelique. Hi, Angelique. Thank you so much for being on the show this week and welcome to the She's Got Drive podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to spend some time. You work in the area of wellness and we haven't actually looked at that on the show. So I'm really excited about this because it's such an important part of um, our lives. Tell me, how did you get into this? What are you doing? Like, Let's bring your work to life for our um, audience. Well, I've always been into wellness uh, in retrospect, but it became a bigger part of my life after I stopped working in the music industry, as you know. Once I stopped working, I needed something to do, so I would just get up every day and work out. And I was entering my 40s, I was gaining weight, and I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't let this happen without a fight. So I, was, I started doing more intense workouts, and the more intense the workout, the better I felt about myself. So um, Instagram was pretty new. So I started posting my workouts on Instagram. And it just grew from there. As my listeners always know, I have a pre-call with my guests. And we started to talk about, as we get older, how much, how the weight Mm -hmm. comes on and it doesn't want to leave us. Exactly. When it arrives. Even though we spent our (laughs) early years, you know, we're we're the same height. Yeah. I was very thin up until the age of 40. Like I was, I didn't go over 140, 145 pounds. I guess when I was younger, I was a stick. I was maybe 125 pounds when I was in college at 5'8". I was wow. like, and progress every 10 years or so, I would gain a little bit of weight, but I was still so skinny, it didn't matter. Like in my 30s, I think I was in my 130s. And then my, by my 40s, I was 140, 145. But at 5'8", that's still very thin. Yeah. Um, it's like the day, the year I turned 40, my body rebelled. It was like, you know what? This is where we get off. You're on your own now. And I went to the doctor one day for a checkup. And, uh, I, he, you know, as a doctor weighs you on the scale, I was 153 pounds. I was like, okay, I think I like that because I always wanted to be bigger. I was, right. like, I was like, if I could just be a size eight, I'll be so happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> so at 153 pounds, I was probably like a size eight. So I was like, okay, this is good. And I went home. I, I went to visit my mother, and I said, Ma, you know, I'm 153 pounds. My clothes still fit. I just look good. You know, she's like, that's how it starts. <laughs> and she wasn't kidding, because I think I went, I go to the doctor often because I have an autoimmune condition, so that's another story. But I think I'd gone back to the doctor maybe six months later, mm-hmm. and I was 160 pounds. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, the buck stops here. I went crazy. I was going to the gym like twice a day. <laughs> so I was like, I will not be 160 pounds. I'm like, if this, if, if this is where my metabolism is slowing down, I'm going to do something about it. Right. I was never complacent about gaining weight. I wasn't like, oh, wow, I'm gaining weight and do nothing, you know, right. and, do, and do nothing. And then the next time I go to the doctor, I'm 170 pounds. That wasn't happening. So I... As Whitney would say, oh, hell to the... Hell to the... So I made a conscious decision to make fitness a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. Then I didn't have to really watch what I ate so much. I just worked out and it all, you know, I I think I lost maybe five pounds. And I was happy at that weight. But I didn't have to change my diet. I was still eating whatever I wanted and just working out. At 45, (laughs) (laughs) as you get older, gravity takes effect on everything it does. your your bum everything like your triceps that's where that's where you see gravity taking effect that the, the, the chicken wing your arms, thing. Yeah. yeah unless you're michelle obama right who obviously well, she works, works out every morning and she so. just says some people naturally have that thing with their arms it was just like okay i gotta step it up and that's when i started doing crossfit actually mm. crossfit uh, for people who don't know, it was like an intense functional training. Um, you learn Olympic weightlifting. You, you, it's just all these kinds of workouts I, was, I would never do on my own. Like mm-hmm. they'd make us run two miles, come back, do 50 kettlebell swings, then go run another <laughs> two miles, come back and do 100 pull-ups or something. It was like, we'd wow. have these crazy workouts. But the thing about it is I would feel so accomplished. Like I wasn't a runner at all like me run two miles me run a half a mile I was you know panting but I learned to run I got my endurance I got my my endurance went you know way up Mm -hmm. through CrossFit I was really strong I was you know lifting you know I think I did one clean and press that was like 95 pounds one time wow well not a clean and press uh squat a squat clean or something like that it's been a while since I've done CrossFit but no I was just doing amazing things that I never thought I could do. And CrossFit had a great community. So, like, there was something, if there'd be anything I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get through, everyone's encouraging you to do it. Like, mm. come on, Angelique, 10 more, 10 more. It was really, like, a, a, a community. So I, I did that for a couple of years, and that's when I really started posting my workouts because I was so proud of myself. Like, this is what I did today. Like, I'm, yeah. you know. But my, and so my body got the form that I'd, I'd like, you know, the form and definition that mm-hmm. I liked it to have. Didn't lose a lot of weight, honestly, because, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. But I was um, a lot happier with my body. But at 45, it changed again. And then at 50, it changed again, honestly. Like, the le- the older you get, <laughs> the more you have to work out. And the less calories you can take in. It's not even fair. It's yeah, not even that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. It's not right. It's not right. Before children, I do stones. I don't do pounds. I'm from okay. the UK. Okay. But 
I weighed 10 stone flat, you know, and... Um, I don't know what that means. I think it was like 140 pounds. Okay. And, and before kids, and then I had kids, and then it went up. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had this belief that I would never get back to the size that I was before children. Right. Until I was... I read this book called The Medical Guide to Weight Loss. Reading that, that I got that, that I was holding this self-limiting belief about never being back at the weight that I was before kids. Mm-hmm. And then I did that, and then I got back to that weight. Hmm. Until I remember, until I moved here. And when I moved here, I was 45 years old. And man, <laughs> that five pounds arrived, and it would not leave my body. Oh, yeah. It was like... I'm here to stay. Five measly pounds. Five. Everyone's like, there'll be people out there going, are you kidding me? You, you complain about five pounds, but that's all it takes. It starts with five, mm-hmm. as you said, and it, can, and it can grow. But it was saying to me that my body's changing and I needed to adapt. Oh, even now, it's just different. I feel like it's harder. It's more, it's big, things that were easy for me 20 years ago, uh, and I didn't break a sweat, or I'm like sweating like crazy now and Mm -hmm. they're more difficult for me I lose my breath um quicker Mm -hmm. I don't have the endurance that I used to have it's just I'm like I'm I'm still going to do it anyway but it it changes because I don't do the high impact stuff I used to do do because I'm like I don't want like I need my knees I need (laughs) right your lower back too right I don't I don't take the chances that I would have taken before when you started to post on, was it on Instagram or Facebook? Or Instagram something? and Instagram was pretty new. I didn't right. post a lot. On, I did some things on Facebook, but Instagram was pretty new. So I don't know. I was I would do it on there. Okay, so you started to post it, and then mm. and what and and then people started to follow you the the response. What were the kind of messages that people were that you were getting from people? People were like, and were they mainly men or, or women or both? Both, okay. Both, and they were like, wow, you know, I saw your post and it made me get up and work out, and um, you inspired me to get up today, or you inspired me to go get back in the gym, or um, yeah, I would just start getting that all the time. All the time, like, like I said, from both sexes, not just, right. just women. Right. But particularly people over 40 that felt like, you know, they gain that 20 pounds, that 30 pounds, they can't, just can't get off. And they're like, you know what, I need to do what you're doing. Like, yeah. What you're doing is definitely inspiring me to, to do something. So. Yeah, because there is a, um, people can get so defeated around it. Because it, when, it, when, you, when you're doing the things that you, you have done in the past, say, to, to manage your weight, for example, and then those things aren't working anymore, you can think, well, I'm just destined to, or, to be overweight. Or, you, or you, know, you have children, you're working every day. It's like the last thing you're thinking about is waking up at 5 a.m. to get to the gym. That's right. Or when you get home from a long That's day at work right. and have, you have to help the kids with homework, the last thing you're thinking about is, let me get to the gym. Or do. I get it, you know, but at the same time, it. You have to do something. You can't just do nothing. Like, even if you want to be a weekend warrior, I feel like you have to do something. something. And yeah. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I have my days, too, where I'm like, you know what? It's just not happening today. But I don't skip too many days because I know I'll feel worse if I don't lose the 10 pounds. I'm always trying to lose 10 pounds, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll feel worse if I gain another 10 or 15 because then it's more, it's, you know, the more you gain, the more difficult it is to lose. So I know it's hard, 
you know, if, even if it's just 30 minutes, even if it's just 20 minutes jumping rope or something, you got to do something. Yes. Yeah. You like know? really find, and you've got to find the thing that you, I'm going to use the word enjoy. Absolutely. But I'm going to use the word enjoy also quite loosely in that there's, you don't to be always challenge. love it, but right. you've got to find something that you're going to want to do. And so there's enough options out there really. Absolutely. To, to like do. some people like, Zumba and da- I'm not a Zumba or dance workout person. Period, because I I don't want to learn choreography and do all that stuff. I just want to work out. Right. But there's some people that you know what I just want to dance. Some people just love thing. to dance, and that's what they do. What would you encourage as a minimum that would actually make a difference to people? I think the minimum is three days, three workouts a week. Okay. The minimum, the absolute minimum. If you can do four, even better. But. The minimum is three. Like, say, you just say one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to work out. Or two days during the weekend, one day over the weekend, you know. It's a start. And then as you see differences in your, a difference in your body or a difference in how you feel, you might want to do it more. Right. And I, you know, I have a gym family, so that helps, too. Just, you know, if you have a... If you build a camaraderie with... The, I take classes a lot. So mm-hmm. if you build a camaraderie with the people at your gym... That encourages you to, to go to. So then there's the, there's the exercise. But one of the things you said before was um, in the early time when there was weight gain, you, you, just focusing on your exercise was enough, but now it's not enough. Your food is mm-hmm. also where you need to pay attention. So what's the kind of changes that you've made in your food? Yeah, this age, I can work out till the cows come home. And if I, my diet isn't right, I'll, I'll still gain weight. So I try to cut out dairy. Like I said, I try, because it doesn't always work out that way. Um, I've done extreme diets, first of all. And um, when I say extreme, I'll do like some of these shake things. I I do one called isogenics. Mm -hmm. And it's like two shakes a day with these little snacks in between. Then you do one meal. And then four days out of the month, two days preferably two days consecutively, you're doing a cleanse fast. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really lose the weight. I lost like nine pounds in one week. I'm going to do it again. But it's not sustainable. So when I, on a regular day, I'll do, I try to follow a paleo way of mm-hmm. living, which is some meat. People think you're eating brontosaurus burgers on a paleo diet, but that's not the case. <laughs> you're eating small amounts of meat. Um, Lots of vegetables, mm-hmm. and the only carbs you're eating are uh, like uh, root vegetables and like sweet potatoes, but no grains, no soy, no dairy, no processed sugar. Not, um, I'm leaving something out, but mm-hmm. it's a very it's to me it's easy because I do like meat. I like vegetables. I'm not I don't eat a lot of I'm not a rice person. Right. So I don't, I'm not really a pasta person either. So it's easy for me to just have like a piece of chicken or a piece of fish and, and some vegetables and maybe a little bit of plantain or a little bit of sweet potato, and that's my meal. I do a lot of um, yeah. It's I, so interesting. So when you say it like that as well. It makes it sound like people can hear, may hear it's really bland, but we see it's you can have seasoning and it can be, yeah, yeah, like it could be still flavorsome, right? You don't do well, not a lot of salt because sodium does add water weight. So, I do try to when I do use salt, I use um, sea salt or that Himalayan pink salt, but Mm -hmm. I use other herbs and seasoning to make up for 
having less sodium. Right. So um, it's really not hard. And uh, to stay away from dairy, there's so many dairy alternatives now. Like yes. There's that brand Kite Hill that has a really good almond milk yoga, yogurt. It's like it's Greek yogurt. It's so good. Because I'm vegan. And that, and they make a is, cheese. That is the best. Yes. That is the best. I love Kite Hill. Kite so, Hill. It, and, now, is it... It's on the costly side, peeps, but it is. But it's but it's you know you pay yummy. now you pay later. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you pay now you pay with your health later. You know right. You, True. You, you could pay now or pay for prescription drugs. You pay later. now or you do copay. Exactly right. But the, the important thing I think is to have that kind of balance. Like eighty percent of the time I eat really healthy. Twenty percent of the time I have a little fun. Yes. Because what what's life without a glass of wine or potato chips here and there you gotta exactly. live your life you just can't overdo it or do it when you're in that weight loss mode like mm-hmm. if I know I have to lose 10 pounds I'm not gonna eat certain things I want to come back to the life you had before I was a music publishing executive there are people who really aspire to be in the music industry like mm-hmm. there are kids now who dream about that so you get into the music industry like share what you know you said you're in publishing what does that mean and um, in terms of what you're doing and who are the kind of acts that you were working with. Okay, let me just say, before I was in music publishing, I worked as a, an A&R assistant for three years. I didn't just go like, okay, I'm going to be in the music business and ta-da, I'm a music publishing executive. Right. Um, I got into the music business because I was temping and they sent me to Capitol Records A&R department. And Say what A&R is? A&R is... Uh, Short for artists and repertoire. So you, they the pe- they are the people that sign the acts and executive produce the albums. Okay. So I never forget. I was answering his phones and the guys from Full Force called, <laughs> and they, they, uh, both like it was a friend of mine now, but back then it was just like, oh wow, it's Full Force or like Freddie Jackson or something like that. Because I'm, you know, this yeah, is the early nineties. Well, there are some people going <laughs> Freddie Jackson. Who's that? Yeah, it was early nineties. Like MC Hammer yeah. was like the biggest act at Capitol. Back then, he was like selling like 30 million records back then. But um, so it was exciting because mm-hmm. I was very young. So, and it was a different time in the music business. The music business, business then, it's very different from how the music business is now. Like record sales, CD sales were unstoppable then. There was no iTunes, there was no music mm-hmm. streaming. So it was all. If you that want was to how you music, got your music. You got your music by either purchasing it, purchasing purchasing a cassette or CD, and or listening to the radio till your song came on. Right. I got into music publishing from my relationships as an A and R assistant. Right. And um, it, my career just took off from there. Like I signed the first act I signed was a group called Terry and Monica, and they were signed to Epic. And they, my old boss signed them. He also signed Groove Theory. So I'm like, oh, Terry and Monica, they're going to blow. The album tanked. <laughs> My first act, I spent like a couple hundred thousand dollars on them. And the album tanked. About a year or so later, I talked to Terry. And she's like, oh, I've been writing with um, Heavy D for these kids. I was like, okay, like whatever, good. Turned out these kids were so for real. And they wrote Candy Rain mm-hmm. and, you know, every little thing I do. So the signing was a success after all. Right. right? Because when, when I learned then, if you sign true talent, it doesn't matter 
it'll, it'll come to light at some point. Okay. So they were talented songwriters, so although their record they deal put, didn't work yeah. out, they were talented writers. So Terry went on to write Can't You See for Total and all these hits for Total. She, she went on to, like, she was one of, one of my more successful writers. And Amazing. I, I was, so I was on a roll from, because like, Candy Rain was my first top ten hit. And I knew it was, <laughs> I found I was a hit because I'll never forget, I was in a car somewhere. I think I was in Brooklyn. And these kids, it was like ten school kids walking down the street singing Candy Rain. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's one of my songs. So, um... About a year later, I signed Timbaland and Missy, mm -hmm. and I signed them. Um, Tim hadn't had any music out. Missy had a couple songs out with 702, so um, we signed them. I signed them for not a lot of money, and right after I signed them, If Your Girl Only Knew came out <laughs> by Aaliyah. Right. I, but I knew they were working with Aaliyah, but I didn't know, I hadn't heard anything. Right. Because it could have been garbage for all I know, for all I knew back then, but it it wasn't, of course, if you're a girl and you knew. And I, just, I was just on a roll after that. I signed Busta Rhymes and Ghostface wow. and um, Stevie J. Back when he was doing a lot of stuff with Puffy. and um, I did the Junior Mafia deal, which included Little Kim and Little C's. And, yeah. So they're like, and they did, they're huge acts. Mm -hmm. So, so you, there were you, have, you, were, you signed some of the, the big acts. You're doing really well in your career. Then the, then the business took a change, took a okay. turn. 9-11 happened during that time. And the world, not only the business changed, but the world changed. Right. So I had a, another gig at uh, uh, a big publishing company after that. But the country was going into a recession then. So it was like everything was just happening. Mm-hmm. So people from my generation, is like, if, if you, music business has always been a game of musical chairs. But at one time, there was like 20 musical chairs. By 2004, five, there were like five chairs. Okay. So, <laughs> so I didn't get a seat. And I worked independently for a while um, with songwriters and producers. But honestly, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I'm like... God's taking me in another direction. I don't know what that is. I guess it'll come to me. So I'm working out one day, and I think I, I, I was still going, knocking on music doors for whatever reason. And one day I just said, you know, what is it that you want to do that you wouldn't mind up waking up every day and doing and making money from it? And I said, you know what? I want to get up every day and work out and practice other forms of self-care and wellness and get paid for it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I just want to work out all day, <laughs> eat good, and somebody pay me to do that. Wow. <laughs> and guess what you're doing? You are... That's what I'm doing. Working out, eating well, and getting paid. So I, there's a couple of things here. One is, is um, that moment where you just tell, you say, well, look, you ask yourself the question, because I think that's a powerful moment that people... Perhaps we don't stop long enough to ask ourselves that question. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know that I've asked myself that question. I know that my life is a created and invented life. What was the? What did it take to actually make it happen? 
I think once I put my mind to that's what I wanted to do, things started to come to me. Mm. Once I said, you know, and once my following started really growing, and I was getting to this day, get stopped in random places like, oh my God, I follow you, blah, blah, blah. It was really crazy. And um, as I inspire and influence more people, things just are happening mm -hmm. organically. It's a long, long road to this. Like, just being in the right places, meeting mm -hmm. the right people in wellness, and um, just, like I said, creating the content that I felt like people want to see. Now, you know, it's easy for people, to, a brand, to see what I do and say, hey, would you like to, um, you know, work with us on this? So right. it's something that it took, it took a few years of me just building it, building my brand and, you know, and being that woman over 40, like, you know, speaking to, to my peers saying, you don't have to give up, like, or you don't have to look like you're giving up anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think it just, it just spoke to a lot of people. It speaks to a lot of people who are not necessarily my age, but someone who, people who feel like they've, um, you know, they, they don't look like their old selves or don't feel like their old selves. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what age. You could be 30 and not feel like your old self. And I tell people my age, it's not about looking like your old self either. It's not about looking like your 25-year-old self. It's looking like your best 51-year-old self. Yes. Yeah. Know? And not giving up. Like, you know what? I could have given up when I saw I gained 10 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I didn't give up. I didn't wait for that 10 pounds to be 15 pounds or 20 pounds or 30 pounds. There's so many of my peers have done. I'm like, don't wait till it's till you're 30 or 40 pounds overweight. Don't just keep buying new clothes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can't That's just right. keep buying new clothes. You can't just keep doing the same thing. Make small changes at first. You know what I mean? But I have a, a friend who... Um, she's my height, and she just went to her doctor, and she was over 200 pounds. Like, when you're our height, sometimes you can't tell. Yeah. Oh. Her doctor yelled at her. She was like, oh, my God, I have to, you know, my doctor yelled at me. I'm like, it's, I know it feels daunting to have to lose 50 pounds, but you have to do it. Like, you have to. Yeah. And it's about having the awareness, isn't it? Because it's an indicator. I think the thing is that while some people may think we're focusing too much on the numbers of the pounds, but it really indicates around, our, it's an indicator about our health and well-being. Absolutely. And we really need to pay attention to that as we get up. We need to pay attention throughout mm -hmm. our life, but we certainly need to pay attention to that as we get older. You know, I, I'm always mindful of listening for some people who think it might be obsessive, but it really is about dealing with what's actually happening. You know, our trend, I always mm -hmm. believe our our work, you know, and, and pursuit of the thing that we want in life, we have to get real. So where, is she, where can she start? So I'm listening for people who are out there who are, who are not one, two, one or two pounds, but even one or two or five pounds can seem daunting for some people. But when you're at like 50 pounds to lose, where do you start? I said the small changes. I know she was drinking soda. She was eating fried uh, food. She was just eating all the raw stuff. She's uh, of Jamaican descent, so she was eating oxtails and rice and peas and all kinds right. of stuff, you know. She was just eating wrong, and I understand it because she's a single mom, working mom, right. working hard, and sometimes you just like, you know what, just run up the street and get something. 
I was like, cut out the soda. She's like, I can't cut out the soda. I was like, yes, you can. Yeah. Cut out the soda. And heart disease runs in our family. I'm like, you want to be here for your son. So you can cut out that soda. Right. Or at least limit yourself to one glass a week. And I, I can't. I and food portions is another thing. Food portions is another because you could eat healthy and eat too much. Right. And I, I have a problem with that, actually. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this fish is really good. I'll have more. You know? But, um,. I think starting out in small changes because I you can't go cold turkey because you you won't sustain it. You'll just go back to you know yeah, yourself. Yeah. So just make small changes and progress. And then there. and then the thing is is that once you start to to win at it, then you get more encouraged as you see yeah. as you, you see the weight come off and um, start moving. I'm like she has a, a gym at her job. I'm like you should be on the treadmill or doing something every day in your gym, but. 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be yeah. an hour-long workout, but move. Move. Yeah. And just keep moving. Just keep moving. Keep moving. I'm saying this because there are some people who are like, well, I don't, I'm not a person who exercises. I'm not a person who works. I'm not a person who moves. And that person is, like, lodged inside of you. You just have to find what movement works for you. Works for you. And there's so much stuff out there on, like, there, really? there's every workout imaginable on YouTube. Or app. apps. There's as so well. much out there. Like you can't say I don't know what to do. You can't because it's not just today. so much information out not there. Today. So it's like an ambassador for wellness mm-hmm. and, and an sharing advocate. your story, an advocate for wellness, and and be and sharing your how to my experiences. Right. And different. You know, this is the way I'm eating now. Maybe you want to try it. Maybe it'll work for you. This is the workout I'm doing now. Maybe, you know. It'll work for you. I'm right. working on my flexibility now. Maybe you want to try working on flexibility too. I'm working on endurance now. It's, it's, I want to lead by example. Yeah. I'm not a one-on-one, like this is what you should do, because I believe what you should do is, could be different from what, what I do, doing. what she does. You, know, you have to find what works for you, but maybe the different things that I try, because I try different things all the time, maybe one of them. If you had to... Um go back and speak to a younger Angelique what were the things you'd say to her today for her on her journey oh god so many things we don't have enough time (laughs) one I'd say save more money (laughs) don't date that guy (laughs) I would say to my younger self don't wait till you get to that place Okay. Know what it is you want to do while you're doing something else. I was so caught up in being in the music business and and, and doing that. I didn't think about what I wanted the rest of my life to look like. Mm. So I so said, my younger self, I'd say, sit down for a moment and, and think about life after. Because there's always an after. None of these jobs <laughs> last forever. They, yes. You're on borrowed time. If it's not yours, you're not going to... Re- no one's retiring at 65 from any of these entertainment or you know these magazines or you know from these jobs so you really have to think hard about what it is you want to do yeah with the rest of your life yeah and I didn't do that yeah well the Mary Oliver in has a poem called summer day and there's a sentence in there that says what we what do you plan to do with your one wild precious life and it is like, it is that. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What, what am I doing? And even when I was in music, I was like, I know I'm not going to be doing this at 60. And that's, that's just me. Because mm-hmm. there's some people that thrive in it 
Right. But I was like, I'm not, I know I'm not going to be doing this, but I never thought about what that was okay. until I was forced to. Right. So I was down to nothing. <laughs> so let's not you get know. down to nothing. So if you're, and I think that the other thing that's there is that, you know, when we pause long enough, like when you pause and ask the question, the answer will, yes. will show itself to you. And I prayed on it. I was like, God, show me the way. And I just said, I just asked, like I said, I just asked myself the question. What right. do you want to do? Right. And I, I knew it wasn't music. And I was like, I'm doing what I want to do. I just need to get paid for it. <laughs> so. And here you are getting here paid. Are. Getting paid. Thank you so much Thank for you. this conversation. Because, you know, in, our, in the black community, we really need to pay more attention to wellness. It's, it literally is killing our people. Yes, literally. Literally killing our people. two funerals last month and another colleague passed away last week. So it's, it's literally met, killing people. in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, a family member. Yeah, we, we, have, we, we know people mm -hmm. who are dying young and it's lifestyle that's, yeah, that's doing it. it's preventable. It. So it's preventable. So it's really important that we have these conversations. And I appreciate you sharing your story. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life. I loved this episode. Of course I did. I love my guests. But one of the things and my takeaways from this is is to always look at what's happening in your life right now and what is the one small things that you could change to improve your health and well-being. Whilst we, for some of you, say, may say we focus on the number of pounds and so on, they are indicators of um, how we're doing around our health and well-being. How do we start to keep get moving if we're not moving? How do we move more if we um, are not moving? How do, what are the range of exercises that we can do? There's so much that you can choose from. Just experiment and try things out and then find the thing that, that lights you up and that, that gets you going. And start to make small changes to your food. You know, cut down on the sugar, cut down on the salt. Maybe you do it for five days and you have a different um, diet at the weekends. Maybe you do something in the day and you change it up in the evenings. Do something to move you closer to a much more healthier lifestyle. If you want to follow Angela, Angelique, you can find her on Instagram at Angelique Miles. So find her there. The link is in the show notes as well. If you want to be in contact with me, you can, you can message me on my Instagram account at Shirley McAlpine. You can find me on the She's Got Drive Facebook page and also at ShirleyMcAlpine.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Please be in touch. Let me know what you think about the episode. Um, what do you know? What, let me know what you thought about these statistics around our health and the disparities around health. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. The music is by the awesome female band, Blonde. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go well and stay well.